executive assistants know all about their companies. How their world has changed next on Remote Space. Hello? Uh, yeah, right. I'm sending that over in an hour. The meeting today? Another one? Hold on one sec. Enough! (laughs) Working from home not as much fun as you imagined? Remote Space explores the tools and philosophies we use as we work more remotely. We'll talk to experts who have mastered remote work, those studying the shift in how we work, and those learning on the run. Here's your host, Doug Thomas. As a trainer, speaker, and consultant, Bonnie Lowe Craman is a guru for executive assistants and executives. She honed her skills over 25 years being the assistant for Oscar-winning actress Olympia Dukakis. When she realized there wasn't a handbook for this elite workforce, she authored one, Be the Ultimate Assistant, a bestseller coming out with its sixth edition in 2021. I spoke to Bonnie from, where else? Her home office in Florida. Bonnie, you were an assistant for years, and even before this tech world that we live in. Was there a trick when you were an assistant of dividing, separating work life from home life, or did you did you have any home life? Oh, wow. You're going right for the tough stuff right from the beginning. <laughs> well, there's a reason I only have one child. You know, when you work for a movie star, it's fabulous work. And a lot of people think it's super duper glamorous. And in fact, there are elements that are, but out of 100%, those elements are about 15%. The other 85% is really hard work. And I found it hard to balance everything. There was no book for it. I didn't have social media. And I do look back and I think, I too often chose work over my personal life. And so I choose to use that in my classes, in the Be The Ultimate Assistant workshops. We talk a lot about work-life balance, work-life integration. A lot of people don't like the word balance, whatever you want to call it. I want my students to benefit from my experience. The big universal given, right, is that we all only get 24 hours in a day. That's it. That's all we get. That's all you get. That's all I get. And so the question becomes for anybody who is uh, working is how, how are you spending that time? And with assistance, you know, my brain was often in taking care of somebody else's life. And that's pretty darn time consuming. Yeah. And your work, you deal with uh, executive assistants and what are called, uh, for the most part, personal assistants. Can you just kind of go through one or two things that are the same and, and one or two that are distinctly different between those two? In 2020, it's very common for an executive assistant to also have elements of his or her job that's PA, EAPA. It's, they're referred to as hybrid jobs. You know, on any given day with Olympia Dukakis, my work could be very much business oriented, which, you know, reviewing a contract or uh, sending correspondence out, doing calendaring, sitting in on a meeting and taking notes, that kind of thing. 
organizing hair and makeup, organizing the limousine, those kinds of tasks. On other days, it's like, come on, Bonnie, let's go lamp shopping. Um, can you organize <laughs> the birthday party or Thanksgiving or a myriad of other holidays or the opening night party, cast party? You know, let's get it catered. And by the way, you're going to work it too or going to the theater, that we would go together to the theater. And so a person who's a personal assistant is pretty much involved in every aspect of their executive, their principal's life. The only boundary really that exists is in the land of the illegal. And, you know, it's a do whatever it takes kind of job. It definitely is a do whatever it takes kind of job. We're in the corporate world, an EA, an executive assistant, usually deals primarily with the business aspects of the job. However, as I started by saying, these days, it's not uncommon at all for executive assistants to do some personal tasks for their executives. And that just speaks to how busy everybody is and how, you know, we're not making or we're not getting everything done in our 24 hours. 25 years as an assistant, it sounds like a, uh, a long time. Are most of assistants, are they a long time? Or is it one of those things they'll know in a month if they're going to be able to gel with this person? Yeah, the average career length, it's hard to, to say exactly my educated guess, considering I was doing it for so long. And I'm a co-founder of New York Celebrity Assistants, which is a subset of you know, the bigger group of assistants, which are 10 million in the United States. However, celebrity assistants and personal assistants are a much smaller group compared to that. I mean, me working with Olympia for 25 years is absolutely more the exception and not the rule. Most assistants do not last that long. I would say most remain for five to seven years. I think that's a good run for most assistants. And I don't think they know in the first month. I think certainly in the first year, I think six months to a year is a good amount of time to see the full scope and depth of the responsibilities and to see if that really is the gig that they want to do. Uh, these jobs can burn you out pretty quickly. Yeah, I would think so. When you are as a trainer, as a mentor, you talk about one of your qualities is be able to bridge gaps. What are some of those common gaps that, that seem to pop up? Well, I'm a big fan of people, all humans, getting to do the thing that they're uniquely qualified to do. And so with executives and principals, they should get to do whatever it is that they do the best. So Olympia was an actress. Only she could memorize her lines. Only she could go for her costume fitting I could do everything else. And the gap that I filled was to be able to enable her to do her life, to be able to do the work that she wanted to do. And I filled those gaps. And sometimes the gap is a learning curve. Uh, in this pandemic, for example, it has highlighted in a very big way the gaps, especially the technology gaps that exist for leaders, you know, leaders have been very used to, in general, having their assistants by their side physically to be able to, you know, get the Zoom meeting started or the Teams meeting started. 
and to navigate all the technology, the myriad of technology, the the mobile phones, the the tablets, there we've the Apple Watches, whatever it is, we're inundated with all this technology and with everybody all of a sudden very quickly having to work from home, the whole remote working thing, it really shone a very bright light on where the gaps existed. And so we're, you know, now we're seven months in and we're feeling that and assistants all over report back to me that they are spending a lot of time teaching and guiding and still trying to hold their executives' hands because the executives are needing to do what they do best, which is to manage their companies and they're uh, navigating the technology was not necessarily at the top of their list. So that has become a huge glaring gap. But a couple of others, Doug, include things like in a corporate environment, the onboarding system at companies you know, the, the way people are brought on, you know, we all remember our first day. And I can tell you that companies in general are very deficit in having onboarding systems that are terrific and assistance can help fill that gap. And then still one more would be the disaster planning. In the last few years, I mean, my goodness, everything from active shooters to terrorism to, you know, extreme weather Assistance can really help identify the gaps that exist if the disaster plan at any particular company is not necessarily up to speed, and all it takes is a is a crisis to reveal what that gap is. I remember hearing uh, from one of our, our mutual friends, Vicky Sokol Evans, is you know a lot of these folks had the physical in and out box still, which now is gone. Is there anything that you've heard from your assistants that have been something that's been something they either had in their disaster plan for something like this? Well, it's been interesting that so many assistants have reported that even though it could be that they've been working with their executive for years, that this situation with everybody now suddenly working from home, it's made elements of their partnership feel very new. And it's as if they're beginning again. And right when the pandemic hit, there was a flurry of activity around Microsoft Teams, for example, that companies had been, you know, sort of beginning to use it this year. But all of a sudden, the pandemic, the assistants were scrambling to learn it fast, learn it very well, like all the different aspects and elements to it. Same with Zoom. And the learning curve has been happening very quickly. We've been in knee-jerk reaction mode for several months now, and um, people are tired and they're exhausted, and there's a lot of anxiety and stress out there still because we're, you know, we haven't gone through this before. You know, we've had many, many crises in the world. We've had 9/11. We had the financial crisis of 2008. This is very different. I think what I observe is because it's sustained. It's now the way it is. We're no longer in red alert emergency mode because, of course, everybody knows what that feels like. You know, all hands on deck. You do whatever it takes. You work 18-hour days if you have to. And now, you know, this is the way it is for a while. So now what do we do to sustain this over 
an indefinite period of time. And so assistants and executives are talking to each other in new ways and having meetings about things that they've never had to have meetings about before as they adjust and they pivot and they adapt to what's happening right now. You know, and there are dogs barking on calls and kids and new aspects to the work that hadn't been in play before. And and one major you know, note to say is that the old rules, many of the old rules simply don't apply anymore. And it's that's really disconcerting for a lot of people who've been working for a long time and they, you know, have been used to the way things were and how things ran and what the rules were. And perhaps you've noted this in your own work, but a lot of the old ways don't apply. And it especially doesn't apply between assistants and executives. And the way they were working is very different right now. Are assistants being able to tell their respective uh, leaders that we need to change these old rules? Or is it something they're kind of reluctant that they need to just kind of do whatever the leader says? Well, we've got 10 million assistants in the country and 95 to 98% are female. And that fact is very much a big part of my training. There, there's no way to teach someone how to be a great ultimate assistant without acknowledging how dominated by females the profession is. And females in general are not socialized to speak up and to assert themselves And in this situation with everybody working at home now, in general, it is even harder to assert oneself when you're doing it via a webcam. And so I'm doing everything I can to encourage and support assistants to speak up about the things that they absolutely know would make things better because you know what what is true, and you you and I know each other a long time. I know you'll believe me when I say that Assistants see and hear everything in an organization. They they have an interesting, unique seat to see and hear everything. And 2020 is absolutely the time that they have to speak up about what they see to improve and to adapt. HR needs them more than ever because you know everybody's trying to figure out how do we bring people back safely. What you know they're calling them re-entry plans, and I. No, the executive assistants of our country and in the world are some of the brightest people walking around and they know a lot. And so the smartest leaders out there, if you're listening, use them, use the executive assistants and ask them what they know. You, know, The assistants knew pre-pandemic, for example, that open floor plans were not smart to do but they were, you know, very all the rage and very popular. Assistants knew that they, they're they not really great to have because of the lack of privacy and people can't see their screens, et cetera. Well, now look what happened. No more open floor plans. But if leaders just ask them, that would be a good thing. I urge leaders to ask their assistants and I'm urging the assistants to speak up to HR and their leaders when they see things that should be different. Okay, so let me take the devil's advocate approach here. Open office is uh, is not productive. And we know this because people are getting more work done at home without an open office? Correct. The interruptions 
were so disruptive to the workflow. Plus, assistants were having problems keeping their monitors secure and safe or having a confidential phone conversation. The biggest winners in an open floor plan are the headphones companies. The people (laughs) who sell those noise-canceling headphones Leaders think that by building an open floor plan, that that's encouraging sharing among a team. That may be true in certain circumstances, but a hybrid approach is really the better one to go, you know, where there can be private offices, where there can be some privacy. Introverts despise open floor plans. And interestingly enough, a lot of introverts do this that job as assistants, and they find it in incredibly hard to deal with an open floor plan, but we need to ask them in order for them to tell us these things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you said, they, they kind of know everything about the floor. Now, if, since they know everything about what's going on the floor, the floor's not there anymore because everyone's remote. Are, are people pinging them just to check in or, or bounce ideas off them? It's really interesting. You know, it's no longer where you can just, it's not organic anymore. It has to be intentional. And so the pinging isn't happening. There's a lot of problem regarding isolation. I suspect it's hard for both men and women to be isolated. But what I see and hear from assistants who are primarily female is that the isolation is really causing some mental stress and feeling out of the loop. Now, you can know things by being inside your executive's emails. That is being part of the loop. Reading the company you know, publications that they put out and being a part of the leaders' town halls. But many assistants are feeling left out of the day-to-day. And that's causing anxiety and stress. And what I urge them to do when that happens is to ask to attend certain meetings, meetings that they may not have attended before. And that's happening. And they're asking and they're they're attending and their leaders are supportive of it. And that's helping bridge that and reduce the pain of the isolation. But I mean, to ostracize and to keep people isolated, you know, it can feel punishing. And let's just, I just want to switch to you. You're someone who traveled a ton Uh, went to conferences. What's your world like in this new remote workspace? Well, my work came to a screeching halt. My travel came to a screeching halt in March. I mean, on March 11 and 12, I was in Toronto at a conference where people were still hugging and shaking hands. And then it all ended. Fortunately, my clients, my corporate clients, I followed an instinct and I fortunately, through our mutual friend, Vicki Evans, I was already you know, using online tools and doing webinars and that kind of thing. So the whole webcam, the, all of that was pretty normal to me. And it was at, unlike with others where it was so new. And I just said to my clients, I, you know, everybody was so freaked out. And I said, you know, why don't we do it anyway? why don't we just get together? Why don't we, you know, it might not, it's not going to look like what we planned, but how about we just make something happen anyway? And I have to say most of them did it. Vicki and I got together and put together this 
series of webinars. And Doug, we often had 3,000 people registered for them. And then they would listen to the replay and that, and they were from all over the world. Our instinct was just because we can't get together in person shouldn't mean we can't get together. And yeah, I think this comes from all these years working in rooms of thousands of women. I know (laughs) that there's this need, this really strong need for community and to feel like you're not alone. I mean, that's the comment we get so often is, it's just nice to know we're not alone in this problem, in these problems, in these challenges. And, uh, and I'm so glad we followed that instinct because that's what's happened. And then, you know, the business is coming back and I'm doing a lot of, I spend most days, many hours a day in front of a webcam and talking with people all over the world, which is super fun. I started live streaming which I hadn't done before, but I, I every Wednesday, three o'clock, I live stream on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook all at the same time. This is where technology is such a miracle. Oh my god! And you're not the tech head. That's Vicki Evans. Oh you're you're you are the paper and pen person. <laughs> I know. I love paper, and and this is it. Yeah. So that's the irony. I'm the one. I'm not. I have this lovely relationship with technology and I thank God that I've got people like Vicki and you and Robert, you know, to help me. But um, what we have are assistants and leaders coming from all over the world to join us on these live streams. Today, we were talking about things we stand up for that we are willing to fight for in the workplace just like Sheryl Sandberg at Facebook fought for parking spaces for pregnant women. And and you can't imagine the dozens and dozens and dozens of comments. So yeah, I've been live streaming and webinaring and doing training via webcam and uh, the Be the Ultimate Assistant workshops on virtual, online and on demand. That's uh, that's something. Again, um, as you said, there's a a lot of things that have to be adapted. And, uh, that's great that you've been able to keep that sense or, or start and then keep that sense of community when those things are needed. I have to circle back a little bit just because my background was in for years. I reviewed movies and things like that. So the quick byline on Olympia Dukakis is she's an Oscar-winning actress in Moonstruck, which is I want to say 1987. The thing is. And I know this is because back then I was this movie nerd. She came out of nowhere. I mean, there's, there's, there's a, I think an Obi or two in her background. There's, there's a soap opera, but Olivia Dukakis is, you know, did not win her Oscar after 20 years of being in these big movies that people knew. She came out of nowhere and was pretty much the favorite to win and won. I got to think that whirlwind even before all this technology stuff, is there some story that kind of wraps your head around how that went from this someone you were working with who was successful, but now suddenly unknown? I mean, from the C list to the A list almost overnight? Yeah, it was crazy to live in that. I was I started with her 10 months before she shot the film and they shot it in Canada Norman Jewison directed it. I know you know who Jewison is. And he said to her, 
after they were done shooting in Canada, they, they shot it in, her piece was done in a month. And he said to her, you know, Olympia, you're going to get a nomination for the film. And he said, and if you want to win, you want to hear my advice? And she said, of course, I want to hear your advice. And he said, I want you to do every piece of press that comes along, every small radio show, every little newspaper, every piece of press that comes along, you do that and you're going to win. She said, okay, I'll do that. And what that meant was, Doug, that meant that she and I were tied at the hip because my job at the theater, I was I was the PR director at the theater. <laughs> That's great. Well, again, if you haven't ever seen Moonstruck, uh, it was one of the uh, movies of the 80s. Bonnie Lowe Craman is a author, writer, mentor, webinar, now live streaming every Wednesday. And we'll have links to uh, in the show notes of how you can see her stuff and get in contact if you if you need to. And uh, Bonnie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Doug. I feel like we could talk for hours and uh, it's so fun to know you're a theater and film nerd. Yeah. And maybe somewhere down the line, when we see each other again, we'll be able to go to a show. That will be a, a nice day for sure. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. But thank you so much for this opportunity and uh, you're doing great work, Doug. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear more stories and lessons learned from those working in the remote space.